Good morning and welcome to Daily Confession with Carter and Carrie on Unsafe Space. Today is January 29th, Wednesday, and we are glad you're joining us. We are doing, this is a daily podcast if it's your first time here. We do it live on Mondays and Fridays, um, but of course, like today, pre-recorded. And um, you can visit us at unsafespace.com. And if you like the show, please hit like and subscribe. You can also watch us on BitChute. Um, we put everything, Carter puts everything there to prepare for the day when we're kicked off YouTube. And uh, and you can also financially support us at subscribestar.com if you are so inclined. Good morning, Carter. Very nicely done, Carrie. I think Thank you. the training wheels are off indeed. <laughs> that comment's going to haunt me forever. <laughs> I know. A long time ago, Carrie, I forget what happened, but you like screwed up the date or you said something or you were flustered in an intro. And some, some person in the comments was like, come on, the training wheels are off, Carrie. But, uh, and it really bothered me. Yeah, it bothered her more <laughs> than it should have. <laughs> I know, it shouldn't have bothered me. That's the thing. People, humans are, we're funny creatures, right? Like, when it's someone else, I used to manage comedians, and, and some of them would, they would fixate on, like, the one negative comment on Twitter, and there'd be hundreds of positive ones. And I'm like, why are you fixating on that one negative? It's so weird. But then when it's you, sometimes you do the same thing. Not always, but sometimes. Maybe I was yeah. in a bad mood that day. Who knows? But it and tone really, is I was lost. Like, like <laughs> when I saw that comment, I thought that it was like a, a friendly jab at you. But tone <laughs> is lost in the comments, so you're all like, oh. No, I, I think I was just in a bad mood that day. I think oh. it all mat- context matters, you know. I was yeah, in a bad fair. mood. There was other things going on, and I just fig- and then I thought training wheels are the training wheels are. Then I then I told Carl, I'm never doing the intro again. I didn't, actually, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't tell you that. <laughs> I didn't tell you that. Thanks, Carrie. <laughs> I think you do the intro more often now, so that's good. More hey. often than I do, I think. Yeah. Anyway, um, yes, welcome new people. Also, we do we are planning this year. We've kind of changed some formats, um, so we're planning this year to actually. Uh, release some other content like interviews and deprogrammed and that kind of stuff kind of as a one-off basis. So the Kofefi show, which is daily, is a little more casual and and less formal, but we have fun. Carrie, what do you want to talk about? Well, we were talking about 1920s music before we started. Because of your hat. Because of your hat. He, Carter said I should be, what did you say? I should be at a carnival with I feel like you should have a cane in one hand and a bag of, like, kettle corn in the other hand or something. I'm not sure. Maybe I'm wrong about the hat, but that's what it makes me think of. Uh, well, I think that I would that would be fine. I could be there. That doesn't that doesn't. I think I, th- I understand what you're saying. The look of the hat or whatever. Sure. Um, and you'd be like, I'm on my way to the moving pictures. But I was saying yeah. in the other room, I am listening to 1920s music. There's this album. I forget what it's called. There's a lot of albums called Roaring Twenties, but this is there's one on Spotify where it has every it's it's the number one song for each year of the twenties. So it starts with the number one song of nineteen twenty and then one song of nineteen twenty. It's a really good album. Um, so I was listening to that and Car and then Carter was saying he liked the big band, which I also like the big band era. Yeah, I went through a phase. So I like the twenties music, but I also went through a phase of. Uh, of really liking the swing band stuff. And actually, Carrie, yeah. I went through a swing dancing phase back when, remember the Gap cat, uh, khaki commercial era? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wait. So, yeah, like a little bit before that, I guess. Maybe maybe up till that. But I went through a little phase of going to, there was a little place in Philadelphia called The Five Spot, which was like an old speakeasy. And uh, I did all the swing dancing stuff. Wow. So in my in my youth, in my youth. Well... 
but we're going to talk about, we're not talking about music, but we are talking about a kind of art today, aren't we? Sort of. Uh, we're also talking about toxic whiteness, which I'm sure swing dancing. <laughs> actually, I don't know. Does it count as toxic whiteness? Because there was a lot of uh, no, other, other races involved. In fact, I think that the birth, the genesis of a lot of that music was actually not white people at all. So right. Sure. Ragtime. And, you know, you had Josephine yeah. Baker doing the Charleston. And no, that was very, that whole era was very racially diverse. It, and it's funny because when you talk to SJWs today or people who are bought into the narrative that the mainstream media is pushing about how divided we are, I'm like, why do you think that is? Because, <laughs> because uh, you know, it. I feel like our country has been on a has been progressing. If you look back, it's like we're moving in this line. Things are getting better. Um, removing legal barriers to equality. Um, there's a lot, there used to be a lot more of what we talked about, the melting pot, like where people are, are soaking up parts of each other's culture. And, and now all those things are, you're not supposed to do. It's like, oh, cultural appropriation. And it's like, why do you think that there's so much, um, if there is, which by the way, in my daily life, I don't experience it. I just see it online and in the media, but in my daily life, there's no, uh, people, people, people don't behave the way that the media tells us they do. Um, it's, it's just, there's no, there's not, none of this like racial animosity that they're, that they're trying to, I think they're trying to create it quite yeah, honestly. They're, they're trying to gin it up totally. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what, there was a really just related to the, that era. There's a really good movie called swing kids, um, about Nazi Germany and kids growing up in Nazi Germany trying to like listen to, uh, American swing band music and and one of the things that the Nazis were using to uh, Criticize the music was the racial origins of the music. They were like, you know, Benny Goodman is a Jew and Duke Ellington and Count Basie are They didn't say the word I'm gonna say black They mm -hmm. use you know worse words, right? But like not not Aryan, right? And so um, certainly I think I, even in my lifetime, I feel like we were definitely on a racial integration trajectory um, where we were getting along and appreciating each other and and boundaries between racial groups were were f diminishing um, and, and disappearing. But I think they're just trying to gin it up and make us feel like it's worse. And it's part and the of same like, thing. It can create well, the problem, though, right? They can create it by making, yes. by telling everyone that that's the case. Yeah, they can absolutely create the problem, and they're doing the same thing with gender, with men and women, and trying to make it seem like we're pitted against one another. And right. it's it it's just uh, I don't know. And and by the way, I know there's going to be some. Hear what I'm saying. I am not saying that there are not there's that racism doesn't exist, and that there are of course there are racist people, there are people with prejudiced beliefs. I'm just saying in your general life. Where are all these races that people are? I've met races in my lifetime, but in my day-to-day -day life, no, I don't encounter a whole bunch of prejudiced people, and I don't and I don't encounter my my life isn't divided up into like you know stay in your lane and all this crap that they say you know where it's like this is where the white people go and this is where the black people go and this is where the Latino people go and it's just that's just not the way it is and the but they want to make it that way in the real world it's like they want us to be at each other's throats or something you hear you know it's the the people that are talking a lot about this uh, 
the people that are pushing this view of viewing everyone as a, as a member of a different race and, and trying to gin up this race war and, and this idea that we should all, you know, think of ourselves predominantly as members of some particular racial group, uh, their focus, you know, when it comes to historically oppressed groups in the U.S., like African Americans, um, they they focus on all of these uh, disparities between uh, blacks in the U.S. now and other ethnicities and blah blah blah. But what they never focus on, what they never add, and they always blame slavery. They always look back and say, "Well, you know, two hundred years ago there was slavery, and everything is stems from that." But you know, the truth is. If you, for a lot of those metrics, if you look back 50 or 60 years, which is actually closer to slavery, so you'd think it would be much worse, mm -hmm. a lot of those metrics are actually better. Black families performing better than they are now. So the idea that there's, again, this is that, you know, you talked about religion yesterday, Carrie, or social justice being a religion. It's this idea that there is a univariate cause. We know what the cause is. Now we're going to fit all the data into our cause. And the, you know, the cause is... White people racist slavery, that's the cause, and everything is explained by that. When in fact, if you actually take a more rational, empirical look at the data, you start to ask questions like, well, why, wait a minute, why did things get better after slavery and then worse? What happened? What's changed? Um, there's, no, there's no actually intellectually honest approach to trying to figure out what's going on in this country. It's just, we have a univariate cause, and by the way, that univariate cause works really well with our end goal, which is basically having everyone fight each other and, yeah. um, you know, destroy the civilization. Yeah. Division and distraction from what actually, see, this is the, this is why, uh, it's funny that Don Lemon things in the news about the elite, because, um, I'm about to talk about the elite. Here's what the elite want us all fighting about the most meaningless things We they want us distracted. They want us not paying impeachment is a great example. It's a big circus put on by the elite to distract us from many different things. One of which is that they're not making any laws. They're not working for us. None of these people we've elected are doing anything for us right now. I don't, you know, just to be clear, working for me would be repealing laws, but that's a separate. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let me think about it that way. Sure. But either way, they're not do they're not working. Uh, it's a distraction from, you know, it's just, I don't know. It's a distraction from the things that, that we should be more focused on, I guess. Like, well, it's a distraction from, yeah, I mean, it's a distraction from the, the, I think it's primarily a distraction from the culture war. I think it's primarily a distraction from yeah, the, the creep that's happening and has been happening. This isn't new. Nothing we're saying is new. It's just, uh, lot lot more outrageous examples these days than there were 20 years ago but it's the same culture yeah. war well let's speaking of the culture war so let's get into this topic we we're talking about yep. as carter said this morning um i'm sure some of you have seen this because it surprisingly i've seen several news articles about it um not all i think the ones i've seen and mostly have not been the legacy media but that either way i've seen a lot of different publications writing about it yale is getting rid of one of their prestigious art history classes, which is world renowned. It's a very famous class that has been offered there for a long time. Uh, it's called Introduction to Art History, Renaissance to the Present. And, and they're getting rid of it because it's too white, is what they're saying. 
And I just wanted to, before we start looking at some of these pieces and what's happening, I wanted to read something my friend said, Nan, I hope it's okay if I say your first name, Nan. Nan said, I remember the 80s when multiculturalism meant including the art histories of other cultures. I never dreamt it would one day be turned into eradicating some. And then she says, better tell Kahinde Wiley to put down his paintbrushes then as he's culturally appropriating a European invention, the canvas and the easel. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, yep. you know, she's making a joke there at the end. But, it, but it, it's, it's absurd that they're going to be that we're going to start just erasing, trying to erase things from hi- history and not teach um, things that were pivotal and important because because we are looking backwards with this lens now, this ideological lens. Um, yeah, I, to me, it's um, this is what you do if you're fundamentally a globalist instead of fundamentally a Western chauvinist. I'm going to use the phrase Western chauvinist, which I know, uh, I think I first heard from the Gavin McGinnis um, used Western chauvinism to describe um, the Proud Boys. And no matter what you feel about the Proud Boys, I, you know, I like the phrase Western chauvinism um, because it, it embodies the idea that there is something superior to Western, not food or art or, you know, races or anything, but ideals, like enlightenment ideas, the idea that uh, people have inalienable rights the idea that you have the right to freedom of speech, that you have um, the right to be presumed innocent until proven guilty, this kind of stuff, the separation of church and state, these ideas are Western culture ideas. And if you're a, if you're wanting to destroy Western culture, it's very difficult to, um, it's very difficult to teach people about Western culture and how. It rose, and here's the good things about Western culture, and oh, let's look at some other cultures. It's much easier to say, well, all cultures are equal. There's nothing special about Western culture. Let's So let's tear down any um, specific focus on Western culture, and let's, fo- let's, let's have no focus. Let's blur our focus so that we're looking at everything a little bit instead of what I think would be a more rational starting point for a university in the West would be to say, hey— Here's the history of the West. Here's because the history of the West is partly the history of Yale, right? Here's the yeah. history of the West. Here's the history of how we got here. Here's why we're an institution teaching these things in this particular country. This is why we're successful enough that you can be sitting in these chairs. This is part of Western culture and Western history. Now, there are bad things about Western culture and Western history. And one of the good things about it is that we're introspective often enough to eventually figure out that there's some bad things and try to correct them. That's important. Um, but there are definitely bad things and there's good things about other cultures, but you have to have a firm grounding to start with. This is Western culture. Now let's contrast it with other cultures around the world. If you'd like to study how the Chinese culture differs and how they evolved over the last couple thousand years, as opposed to Western civilization, well, now you have something to compare it to, but instead They actually don't want you to understand how any of these cultures evolved and differ from each other. They want to throw them into one big um, pot and stir it up and be like, here's just some sampling of some high level sampling of a bunch of cultures. And you basically can learn, learn nothing about cultural development in any particular culture. It kind of destroys 
I think it destroys studying cultures generally. And it, and that's something you want. If you're a globalist, you want kind of equality of cultures. There's no difference between this culture over here, which, uh, you know, beats women and throws gays off of skyscrapers, and this culture over here, which has women's suffrage and gay rights. Right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lie. I, and that, it took these conversations with you and doing the podcast for me to realize that, this idea, because on the surface, if you're not doing deep thinking and you're just hearing, you're like, oh, all cultures are equal. Uh, sure. You know, I, I know that's a dumb, I'm just saying, I understand why people will just accept dumb ideas like that, but it's, it's a lie. There are some things that are better than other things. There are some ideas that are better than other ideas. And, and, and wait, and, can we just pause there for a second? Yeah. Carrie, that lie, um, the reason I think that it's really easy is because the word culture encompasses irrelevant things and relevant things all in one package. True. Right? True. So food, irrelevant. Customs, mostly irrelevant. Right? Separation of church and state, very relevant. Right? There's ideas yeah. that are very relevant <laughs> that are mixed it's, in with stuff that's irrelevant. And so when you say all cultures yeah. are equal, people can be like... Well, yeah, Thai food is equal to uh, French food, and that's equal to Chinese. Like, they're all just different, and they're all equivalent. That's fine. But the ideas behind the culture are not equal. Yes, I agree. There are some ideas that are better than other ideas. And that's, that's, the, that's the problem here is that there's also, with this, it's not just about this, this art specifically, right? It's not just about ideas. It really is about erasing history. Um, it's, it's, it's as if saying, can you imagine, um, I mean, well, they're doing this in the literature departments too. This is happening, not just at Yale, this is happening in lots of colleges. Yep. They're going in and systematically erasing, trying to erase, um, history and what they're teaching. And it's, 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 it's almost as if it's not bad enough that, you know, when I went to school 20 years ago, I learned nothing about communism. Um, that was I learned that was intentional. So it was already bad enough. Do you know what I mean about world history? But yep. now they're they're racing uh, in the arts. It's like you can't even learn about famous painters from other centuries. You can't even learn about famous writers from other centuries because it's we're looking backwards with this lens of what what did this guy call it? Uh, one of the professors there called it problematic. It's problematic that there are so many white men in art history. Well, it's, is it problematic that there are so many black men in basketball? No, it's like things are, there's this inability to accept that sometimes you may not like the demographics about something, but it doesn't mean that, uh, it needs to be, uh, forcibly changed at the butt of a gun (laughs) or a law. Or, uh, can you imagine doing that in basketball? That's ridiculous. Um, and it doesn't mean that it needs to be erased. And if you do think there's something wrong with it, you can teach what you think is wrong with it right alongside it. But to say, well, these kids don't get to learn about Rembrandt at all or Da Vinci or, you know, that's, that's ridiculous. You're, you're, you're cutting off their, what they're allowed to know. You're putting their minds in a cage and, well, I mean, I, 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 you can learn that stuff, right? It's just that if you're not, so now at Yale, 
you can go take a bunch of classes to get all that information. But if you're, but you'd have to basically be an art history major to do all that. There's not one going to be one course anymore where like a non-art history major type person can go like get a good synopsis of what the history of of European art and and Western art is. And I guess this is the other thing: history isn't the accomplishments of history at any given time are not uh, equally and quote. Equity, they're not divided in an equitable manner as the social justice warriors would use it. There are times in history when only the Arabs were producing anything interesting and everyone else sucked. And there are times in history when, like, <laughs> like, I mean, the Renaissance is a time in history when the West was immensely productive in terms of art and literature. Like, that's what the Renaissance was. They were uniquely productive at that time compared to other places. Doesn't mean other places didn't do anything. And, you know, there, there were, I'm sure there were times when China was way more productive than other people in science or art or whatever. We know already that they were more advanced in a lot of uh, um, science, like fields of science that were, had things that had been invented prior to the West. So, like, at any given moment in history, sometimes for whatever reason, one group of people is contributing more historically. That doesn't mean through all of time they've contributed more it means at this point they're they're very prolific and productive and the question that you know i think the question that's important to ask from a high level if you're going to talk about culture is why did the west develop to be so the west is is more uh productive freer more valuable higher standard of like it's a higher standard of living it's better place to live it's why we have so many immigrants come to the west all the time from other places the question to ask is why and the answer to that can be found in studying the history and rise of Western culture. It doesn't mean that it's all good history, but the answers lie in there. And so denying this understanding of, of Western culture, I think, really just serves to have no defense against Western civilization generally when it's attacked later. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. I was going to add another example when you were saying, you know, there was a time in history where the Arabs were on fire and everyone else sucked. And then there was the Renaissance when Western culture was producing. And to bring it back to what we were talking about at the beginning, 20s music, there was the Harlem Renaissance of the 1920s. Yes. Which was all which was all about black artists and writers and intellectuals and uh, musicians. And, you know, it's the, but to ignore these different cultural um, developments, and I'm talking here about the artistic ones because again, that word culture is so broad. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about the artistic ones, the music, the art, to ignore those because this period was heavily black, or this period was white, or this period was you know Arabic or what have you. It's like that's in, I don't know. It's just insane. Yeah, it is. Insane. It's so misguided. It's so misguided, and it's uh, the these bureaucrats. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know what else to call them, but but the student here the thing is that they've been, they've done a good job of indoctrinating the students because the students are in some cases the ones pushing for this crap. It's not clear whether it's like a large percentage of students or just a, a, you know, like like often a small percentage of really loud students. Um, yeah. But certainly uh, certainly they've been indoctrinated indoctrinated enough that it's difficult to push back on this kind of stuff, right? If you're a student in college and you say. Uh, and you're you're pushing back on the idea that this course is getting canceled because there's too many straight white men uh, in the history of 
Western art, um, well, you're just going to be ostracized by your peer group and called a racist and a bigot and everything else. So, you know, you might as well just shut up and let the course go away, which is yeah. what's happening, right? Yeah. I don't know. So it, can I go read ahead. part of this article? There's several articles. Yeah, there's a bunch of articles. Um, I'm looking at one in the National Review, but you've said you got one in the post. Re- read that one or the part that you want. Yeah, um, there's just some good. This guy, this is a oh, she, woman, actually. Uh, this is in the New York Post. Barbarians at Yale. PC idiocy kills art, uh, classic art history class by Tiffany Jenkins. And this is an opinion piece, but I thought she did a really great job. So she says, countless scholarly essays have been devoted to laying bare the dark side of Western art. Still, the art Puritans are unsatisfied. Like the Islamic State's attacks on antiquities in Iraq and Syria, or the Christian iconoclasm of the Reformation, modern-day iconoclasts in Ivy League universities would tear down all that offends them for failing to conform to their liberal certainties. You have to wonder what will happen when they realize that the campus buildings from which they lecture us for our failings are the product of gasp Western tradition, the Western tradition of architecture. (laughs) The history of art reflects the history of the world, but erasing the past, its glories and its warts only leaves people ignorant. You need to know about something to criticize it. Students won't only fail to understand the evolution of art. They won't appreciate other artistic traditions and customs, for they will have nothing to compare it to. College professors suggest that dropping the introductory course is a response to student uneasiness, but since the course is more popular than ever, the queasiness likely came from the top. Those in charge of education have relinquished their responsibility to hand on to the young what they themselves received from the past. But they should be careful what they wish for. In Poland, The new director of a major museum has complained that he is sick of left-wing dominance of the arts and plans to put his own agenda in place. As a conservative, patriotic, pro-family politician, his politics are different from those that reign at elite East Coast universities. But his justification for using the arts to to advance right thinking sounds similar. Once you openly politicize the arts, others will too. I mean, she's got, there's more, but that's a great point. Well, you know, I mean, are- this this kind of relates to something that I don't I don't want to get into too deeply here, but uh, <laughs> art is politicized when you have it become public, like when you fund it publicly in any way, when it's supported through institutions that are publicly funded, or when you fund it, it is politicized. That's what happens. So the only non-politicized art is private art, and that may still have a political message, sure, but uh, it's the only way you can get any art that doesn't, basically. Um, anyway, yeah. I don't know, Carrie. The, the, the last course, they're teaching one more, one more of this class. I guess this is the last semester. And according to the Yale Daily News, um, the, this spring, the final rendition of the course, so they've, they've changed it already. Even though they're doing one more class, they're going to change it. The final rendition of the course will seek to question the idea of Western art itself. Itself, yeah. <laughs> I mean, how do you question the idea of Western art? Like, there, what, there is the West, there is art, there's art that comes from the West. Why is that an idea that needs to be questioned? I don't know. Um, can you imagine if it said, I'm just going to throw something out there, Carrie, you ready? Yeah. I'm going to reword, I'm going to just substitute a word. 
This spring, the final rendition of the course will seek to question the idea of African art itself. Oh. <laughs> that sounds a little never. bit, I don't know, racist. Yeah. Hmm? They would never. They would never say that. That would never happen. Uh, but they're going to, but they can do it to the West. We're committing suicide here and we're funding our own suicide. It's, ama it's amazing. I have a question. You know, all of that really famous Soviet art, the propaganda, didn't the government, did the government pay commission a lot of that? Wait, in the Soviet Union? Yeah. Of course, of course. The, yes, of course. <laughs> There's That's nothing but the government paying for that in the Soviet Union. Yeah, I just wanted to <laughs> confirm that before I said that. But that's what you were making me think of when you were talking about state-funded art and how well, it's I mean, necessarily, it's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like Trump the other day got it. Um, he, he retweeted someone that was questioning why NPR. So Mike Pompeo got into some argument with, the, with NPR. or I don't know. He said, I don't, didn't follow, whatever. He didn't like some NPR host. And... Uh, Someone tweeted about something about like, hey, why are we funding this democratic, uh, it's basically a democratic ad machine or whatever, NPR. And Trump retweeted and he said, good question. And of course, the left lost their marbles on this because how can you threaten to fund, <laughs> right? Look, the truth is, everyone knows NPR is a leftist propaganda machine. That's what NPR is. And your tax dollars pay for it. It's not about how much money it costs. It's cheap compared to endless wars in Iran and Iraq and wherever. Like, it's cheap compared to lots of stuff that we do. But, but I it's very impactful. And all these NEA grants and, um, and then money funneled through private institutions, quote, like semi-private institutions, NGOs, that then go off and, and pay for art to be done or NPR itself, right, which is directly funded. I mean, that is... It is propaganda. You can't it get funding propaganda. from a large government and be opposed to large governments funding things. That's a viewpoint, right? So it's like it's teachers like in schools. You can't have a public teacher. No public teacher is ever going to stand up and say, like, I don't know that funding public schools is a good idea. <laughs> You'll never okay. have that viewpoint ever because they're funded by you. I have to interject. You yeah. said everybody knows that NPR is a liberal propaganda machine. Or you said something like that. At most and people I, no, I recognize no, that. No, no, they don't. I wanted to interject back then so I could get the, your exact statement correct, really? but I think I'm close enough. No, they don't know that, Carter. I'm telling you this. See, sometimes people get so locked into their world and what they know and what they think that they have no idea. You have no idea what That's people, probably true about in, me. I agree with that, yeah. It's Everybody doesn't know that at all. The, the pe most people on the left, most people on the left, believe what I used to believe, which is that NPR is, uh, unbiased, factual, um, <laughs> nonpartisan. I, I know you're I'm laughing sorry, and I would laugh now. <laughs> How is that even possible from something funded by the government? It's not even possible. <laughs> I know, but that's what they, that's how they think of it. That's uh, part of it is good branding. You know, good branding works. And part of it is just good branding. And that's what people think of on the left. That's what they think of the brand in PR. When you speak in an even keeled monotone <laughs> and you're very boring, you must be objective and factual. Well, now back to you, Carrie. Now back to you. <laughs> but they they really they really do believe it. And, and even this is going to really burst your bubble or not burst your bubble, make you laugh, but it's true. 
It's true. A lot of people on the left believe even outlets like CNN and MSNBC are nonpartisan and are unbiased and are giving the factual no, truth. I, I, but see, I know. But, but this is also because they believe that their opinions um, are – they look at something like Fox News and they say, that's partisan and that's right wing. They look at stuff that agrees with them, the, like the media that agrees with them, which is almost all the media, and they say, well, it agrees with me because I'm my opinion is based in fact and truth, and this is all fact and truth, and I'm biased around me. Like they don't, it, they don't stop to think, oh, I'm sitting in the middle of the media I agree with, and it is partisan, just as partisan as that over there. It's just I can see that because I'm not part of that, but I'm part of this. It's like a fish in water; the fish can't see the water. It's like that. Yeah, no, I I, I get it. Um, I do think. I mean, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. I, I think people that aren't on the left. I just mean like center people and yeah, anyone okay. that's not sure. and on the right. Like everyone kind of they all recognize that NPR is sure. Like, they have to like. But there's uh, a lot of people in this country who don't recognize that it's left leftist propaganda. Well, and that's the that's that's probably one of the things that makes it most dangerous. Then right is that. You get people turning it on, and unfortunately, the word national public is viewed as two good words, which is a cultural problem, but that's because of indoctrination and education. When you hear the word national public, you think it's good somehow, and you should think the opposite, right? So they that brand, national public radio, they like there's some kind of prestige there. It's national <laughs> and it's public. Those are two nice words together. Well, right? it depends on what you put the words national and public in front of. If you put the words national and public in front of restroom, that doesn't sound good. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair. But um, I don't know. I Like you've been you've been taught to believe that national is kind of official and, and professional and public is like for the public good, which someday we'll have a show about the public good being the most evil concept that's ever been invented in politics ever. But there's no okay. such thing as the public good. It doesn't exist. Thanks so, for telling me this, Carter. I wasn't aware we we're going to do this. Okay. No, someday we'll have this. But um, there's no such thing as the public good. Uh, so you national, official, public must be for the good. You kind of assume that it's this benevolent, fact-based organization. When, in fact, it's a bunch of deep state people. And I use that. I, I don't use that in like a conspiratorial way. But like people whose livelihoods depend on government money and grants um and the type of people that are even going to go into that in the first place are already a particular political ideology and they know where their bread is buttered and it's not like they're consciously deciding to be biased necessarily it's just naturally going to happen they're not going to think to report the npr is never think they're never going to think to report on a story that's like here are some reasons why funding national public radio is a bad idea that's never going to happen it's like the Upton Sinclair quote that we've mentioned before um, yes. about how it's hard to uh, convince a man of something or or g help a man to understand something that his livelihood depends on him not understanding. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'm, exactly. I'm mangling that quote, but that's the essence of it. Yep. Yeah, you're right. You know, Carrie, um, this isn't about art, but it is about kind of a similar university thing. Can we just mention the... University of Massachusetts thing. Is that all right with you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. So one of our viewers shared this um, oh, with us. This is, so this is in line with this idea that, keep in mind, um, 
the intersectional ideology is not something that's limited to taking, uh, you know, gender studies courses. This is not, you don't, you don't go to college and, and take gender studies courses and that's where you learn it. I mean, maybe, but what the intersectional ideology is, uh, one, of the, one of their primary goals is to infiltrate literally everything from physics to art to medicine to like everything. They want everything, math, everything to be viewed. We've talked about math in the past even, right? Everything to be viewed through this lens. So here's another example that uh, I think Kent sent us uh, on Facebook. Thank you, Kent. Here is what's going on at the University of Massachusetts Amherst. This is, uh, I'm just going to read the first little thing here. Events calendar. This is this, this February. Is so you, you can College go on February 11th if you want to. Um, College of Nursing 2020 Spring Semester Series. Dr. M. Rebelles. Rebelles. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Uh, now, just to be clear, uh, it's a it's a college of nursing. Doctor blah 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 is speaking. I immediately assumed this was a physician, but in fact, I made the mistake of looking into Doctor blah blah blah's background, and uh, they, which is actually here, I'll I'll show you. They pronouns they themselves, right? You see that? Don't. I wouldn't do that. I, I wouldn't. I don't use they for a person. Right, I'm just, singular person. Yeah. I was gonna say but. him. It's it's clearly a guy larping, right? So anyway, he uh, he has a PhD from University of Pennsylvania, but he's he's in bioethics. He's not a doc. It's not an MD. This is not an. Oops. This is not an MD. This is a. This is a social justice warrior doctor doctorate, basically. Right. Okay. The Office of Research in the College of Nursing is delighted to present the first talk of his 2020 spring semester series. Um, Dr. M is an, an academic health ethicist and health humanities scholar and an assistant professor at the University of Illinois at Chicago College of Nursing. We'll discuss, you ready for this, Carrie? Mm -hmm. Listening outside of whiteness. <laughs> <laughs> Make our bodies matter. Yes, yes. And then... I'm just going to read a little bit because you'll, you'll really love it. We in these institutional spaces have been told for centuries by black, indigenous, and other people of color, as well as by the disabled, queer, and trans folks, with an X, and others, that health and healthcare is a contested political state. I don't even know what that means exactly. Well, I do know what it means. Centered within the oppressions of whiteness and, more accurately, white supremacy. So let's just... Pause on this for a moment. Health and healthcare is a contested political state. So this is this is how they view. If you view everything in terms of power, this is interesting to me, Carrie. Right? You've talked about how they view everything's in terms of power. Well, a state is something that like people have physical force, like they have control physically over a region, and they can use guns to enforce laws and rules. Right? This is how they view healthcare. Health and healthcare is a contested political state. Okay, so I just want to point out that, again, this is a person with no medical background who has a permanent position at a different, another college, right? And is guest lecturing at this college at a nursing school. And they are indoctrinating people who are going into the healthcare field, people who 
who do have her, a background in medicine, they're they're brainwashing them. They're bringing the SJW ideology to them. And uh, for anyone who hasn't heard me talk about this before, I've mentioned it on a couple of shows, but I have a friend, anecdotal, but you know, if you guys, it's a person I know firsthand who has a background in activism, does not have a background in medicine, who has a one of these positions at Harvard Medical School who's in charge of and has like a very Orwellian title or department and who is in charge of pushing SJW ideology onto Harvard medical students and be, and beyond Harvard because they pay for this person to travel around the U.S. and visit other colleges just like this and indoctrinate medical students uh, that biological sex isn't real, that um, medicine is somehow a form of white supremacy, that, that, uh, that they celebrated when they got a, a hospital to take the uh, gender off of admission bracelets. So your blood type's there, but it doesn't say if you're male or female. Right. You might need to know that, you know, like, <laughs> uh, but they celebrated it as if that was a win, as if that was a win. That's something that this push- person was pushing for. Also, our te- they're also indoctrinating people on all, all the SJW issues. They're indoctrinating medical students that, um, that being fat is healthy. There's nothing unhealthy about being obese. I mean, you yep. would think that this is this is a farce, but it's not. This is actually happening, and this is a great example of it right here. This person yeah. being brought in um, to just to indoctrinate like this is a nursing school. Yeah. To be clear, uh, this LARPer has. I just want to. This LARPer has basically been a perpetual student forever, right? Which so. Um, this person has a degree, undergraduate degree in music and bioethics, odd combination. Then a degree from Columbia University in nursing, so medical background. Oh, okay, extent. I didn't know that. But an MA in religious and cultural studies from a theological seminary, odd, and a masters in bioethics and PhD in bioethics at Pennsylvania University of Pennsylvania. So. Um, this is like a perpetual perpetual student, but not a doctor. So they put doctor in front of this person's name. I just, I'm just saying I assumed that this was an MD, not an MD. Oh, not a medical um, doctor, right. Yeah. Not an MD. But, uh, you know, absolutely. And Carrie, if people, just to be clear, if you're a doctor or a nurse, and I know all doctors or nurses know this, so... I'm not educating doctors or nurses on something they know well, well more than better than I do, right? Uh, but if you're a doctor or nurse and you treat someone as if gender or sorry, sex doesn't exist or race doesn't exist, for example, you can probably get sued, right? There are diseases that affect particular people more, men, women, particular races, whatever. Like there are genetic problems that are related to <laughs> your DNA. And your DNA controls things like sex and race and that kind of thing, or is is responsible for that. So the idea that you can like tell a whole bunch of people, you're not allowed to classify people based on sex at all, uh, is really just going to cost lives, frankly. Um, and we already saw the case of, what was that case, Carrie, <clears throat> a couple months ago, a few months ago last year, where there was the, the trans man was it a trans man who came in and told the hospital that he had stomach pain yes. didn't mention that he was actually a woman right and, and pregnant and, and they treated and was the baby lost or something i don't remember exactly what happened but yeah, there was some lost lawsuit the that happened 
No, I lost the baby. I don't know if there was a loss or not, but yeah, lost the baby. But it was it was definitely one of those things, which again, hey, your biological sex might be something that your doctor needs to know. Right. Um, it, it's insane. <laughs> but <laughs> think about ideology. this. This jerk went in, said, I'm a man, didn't bother to say I'm actually female and pregnant, and then had the gall to be upset that the doctor treated this person for stomach pains without checking to see that she was pregnant. Mm-hmm. And we're we're supposed to be, I don't know, we're supposed to be on her side. I mean, his side. I don't even know what to say anymore, Carrie. I give up. I don't know how to. I don't know. I don't even know what. To I was say. just gonna say. I think it's insane that ideology is what is um, guiding decisions now about biological sex on hospital bracelets and. Um, it it, it 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 would be as ridiculous to have um, to put it in to put it into a perspective that maybe maybe people on the left who are atheists would understand. It would be as ridiculous as having uh, a person's religion dictate what information you take and don't take at the hospital. You know, I mean, that's what it is. Yeah, You're, it's absolutely. It's my religion. According to my religion, I'm a supreme being alien. And uh, I need to drink antifreeze to stay alive. Like, you must behave that way. It's like, that's not, maybe that was too much, oh, that was too related to Scientology. Wasn't antifreeze involved in Scientology? I don't think so. I don't, I think I'm not sure. I think the evil Lord Zenu in, injected people with antifreeze at the beginning of the. No, I don't think so. I think you got that confused with something, with a horror movie or something. <laughs> I'm going to look it up, Carrie. <laughs> um, I know I'm right. I'm right on this. Okay, so are we? Let's wrap this up. I think we've gone long enough, don't you? Yes. Okay. And my dogs are also getting a little loud. That's why. <laughs> like, we gotta go, don't we, doggies? Sorry, I'm looking at my antifreeze thing now. Oh, are you? Yeah, because I'm pretty sure. Oh, you weren't joking. No, Tology, Scientology. Uh. No, aren't you, aren't you talking about one of those uh, Heaven's Gate cult or one of those that made them drink antifreeze? You're not talking about Scientology. I don't think. Really? Yeah. No. Uh, okay, here we go. Ready? Okay, you're gonna you're gonna like this. This is just you know, it's a random day today, so here we go. This is a little excerpt on Xenu. In Scientology, Grand Imperial was warlord Xenu was the evil ruler of this part of the galaxy 75 million years ago. To cure overpopulation, he drugged and paralyzed billions of people after first summoning them for tax inspections and froze them in ethylene glycol, which is antifreeze. See? I'm not nuts. They're nuts. There you go, Carrie. On that note, we should end the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you should. for watching and listening. Uh, please don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and send us care packages of antifreeze. Carrie, anything no, else? No, don't say, don't joke about stuff like that. I don't want to get any kind of gross hate mail or bombs or whatever. Let's take that out. <laughs> okay, I you don't know, think just... if someone was going to send us gross hate mail, they would do it regardless of whether I asked for antifreeze in the mail. No, so. I know. I just mean you're jinxing. Don't jinx us. I don't believe in jinxing. I'm going to leave it in. <laughs> I believe in jinxing. <laughs> anything you want to say? Any final words then, Carrie, since... 
the <laughs> ethylene glycol bomb will be arriving soon. Stop it. Don't say things like that. That's not good. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everyone. You're, Have a good day. We'll see you tomorrow. Us, you're free to send us hats. <laughs> <laughs> you're free to send us hats. Okay. Bye, guys.